Welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the Word of God to dwell in you richly. Um, we are back in our series. How many of you know today he reigns? He reigns. I'm going to let y'all read these scriptures so I can get myself together a little more. Um, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 through 11. 1, 2, 3, read. Amen. In our series talking about order in the church, I'd like to talk about today the law versus the gospel. The law versus the gospel. Let's go in. Father, um, Lord God, we are those who are in greatest need, Lord God, for your goodness on a regular basis, your grace on a regular basis, Lord God. And so, God, will you uh, continue to shower your grace on our time. Uh, Help us to see you more clearly and understand what you've done for us more widely so that we can live more holy. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O God, our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust and help us not to be hearers of the word only, being under a delusion, but help us to be effectual doers. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. (coughs) Law versus the gospel. That's almost, uh, it's an interesting title because they don't work against each other, um, but that's how we many times think of it kind of reminds me though as we dive into this series and uh and what god has called us to do as believers <laughs> in relation to our framing as believers um we we we, we I, I like it's a show that i like a whole bunch it's it's called um it's actually not a show it's actually a, a little short deal where they talk about how it's made you ever saw those videos <laughs> how it's made and you know you'll you'll see something that you you, you take for granted every day and you'll be like, <clears throat> not realizing that so much went into that thing being created. And you'll be like, man, did all of that went into just me being able to get that, even a light bulb, you know, you would think something that's so fragile <clears throat> wouldn't have so much going into um, it being made and put together. Uh, but we don't realize as believers uh, that, 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 we, that there's more to doctrine than us. Yeah. 
<laughs> when we, in today's society is individualistic. When it comes to preaching, their focus is on your personal journey, focuses on your finances, your destiny, and your purpose, and all of that's necessary, family. However, this line of development and diet subliminally trains you as a Christian that life is about you and that God exists to do what you want him to do, not him existing for you to do what he wants you to do. The challenge is a diet like that creates selfish, biblically illiterate people who become bored when it comes to getting a grasp of the Christian faith. <clears throat> Many of us don't want to take the Christian faith seriously until we get in a jam at the family reunion. You know, somebody at the family reunion bringing up some stuff, your, fa- your family member that converted to something crazy and now they lighten you up. And you like, you, you, you in my DMs, Pastor, give me some verses on Christology. You're like, you know, I'm fine with that. But, um, <clears throat> but, but, but many of us treat the Christian life like we treat those, um, those agreements. Like when you first get your computer or something, or you join something, and, and they tell you, you know, this is the agreement, and you, you, you know, we just go like this. <laughs> the scroll and push agree so we can get to, that's how we kind of treat the Christian faith. We treat the Christian faith, we just, I'm, you know, I agree. <clears throat> but listen, if someone were to ask you, how do you know Jesus Christ is God based on the Bible? What would you tell them? Would you just say, well, you know, you know, uh, you know, I just believe, you know, no, you can't do that. Well, the word, since the word Trinity is not in the Bible, if somebody says to you, the word Trinity is nowhere in the Bible, so how do you believe in the Trinity? Where do you find the Trinity in the Bible? How do you know Jesus Christ is 100% God and 100% man? Where is that at? <laughs> where, where, is that, where is that in the Bible? Where, 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 where in the Bible does it say uh, 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 adultery is a sin? What am I saying this for? I'm saying this because many of us believe based on how we feel. In other words, most of our belief is based on what we feel truth is. Not, I just feel like Jesus is God, right? I just feel like, thank you, brother. I, I just feel like this, but, but one of the things we have to begin to do <laughs> is we have to begin developing an educated Christian faith. Yes, yes. And so I'm going to push you during this series. I, I, I want to push you. Um, I'm not going to be as preachy, uh, but, but, I, but, I, but I want us to begin to learn. Somebody say learn. I want you to learn how to get a hunger beyond the devotional that has one verse and then the rest is, is just a story and you just get a warm fuzzy in the beginning of the day, but you never take time aside in your life to, to, to study to show yourself approved. And somebody said, I don't have time for that. You can't afford not to make time for it. Your, your, your soul would be much better if you had more spiritual stability in your life. And spiritual stability comes from studying the word of God, not feeling good about God. Because, because most of us think of our devotional life as feeling good about God. And, and so, but, 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 but listen, there are times in your life where God will throw, uh, throw into your life something confusing. And you can't depend on feelings to hold you in place. You're gonna, you're gonna, you, you, you know, you know, you, you, you're gonna need some, it's like cold weather. You, you, know, you can't eat, you know, a hoagie in cold weather. 
you know, that's going to keep you warm outside. You got to have you some, some, some black eyed peas and some grits and some collard or something to stick to your ribs and hold on to you. And when you walk outside, you're a little warmer than you was before you went outside. You understand what I'm saying? And so, and so doctrine, uh, biblical truth, because I, I want us in this information age to make sure that we're pursuing truth based on what's truly truth. So, <clears throat> Paul leaves his son in the ministry, a young buck, in a church. And it says in verse 3, he says, the reason why I left you there is to teach certain people not to teach strange doctrine. And it was, what's interesting about this is in order for him to know what, what the strange doctrines are, he had to be discipled in them. You can't correct anyone in what you don't know. And, and, and so he had to be discipled and developed in gospel doctrine. Somebody say gospel doctrine. He had to frame them and develop them, him in this so that he can be able to spread this. Why? Because he wanted to make sure that the people that were teaching were spreading gospel-driven doctrine throughout the church so that the people could eat gospel-driven diets and live gospel-driven lives. Amen. That, 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 but that, 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 that's, that's how that happens, right? And so he's there to put on blast those. And listen, this letter going to be read publicly. And as a matter of fact, he naming cats later. Like Paul was a wild boy. He was just naming people. Shorty right there, he was wild and boom, boom, boom. He, you will see in the next section. We're not going there today, but you'll see next week. I got one point, one point only, I'm done. <laughs> Christians must have a solid grasp of sound doctrine. Christians must have a solid grasp of sound doctrine. <clears throat> Look at what the text says. Some have departed from these and turned aside to fruitless discussion. <laughs> what is he saying here? What he began to say is, as he says, some have departed from these things. What things have they departed from? They departed from a pure heart, based on verse 5, a good conscience and a sincere faith. Now, what's interesting is, is a pure heart Good conscience and sincere faith are character things. But the, the foundation of their false doctrine isn't the teaching itself only. It's the disposition of their character. And the disposition of their character, that, that, that's, that's why, disciple, listen, uh, leadership without discipleship causes you to be shipwrecked. And so when you look at this whole idea of him talking about de de departing from these things, they departed from what the heart of what is supposed to be in people's lives. In other words, you're supposed to be taught with non-ulterior motives. One of the things in being a pastor, I love being a pastor, one of the challenges is I know 99.999% of the time when you first come in contact with me or any other pastor, you doubt we're real. <clears throat> I pretty much start with a deficit. That's why when I meet people and they ask me what I do, I say I'm a speaker. <laughs> because I know, because I can see the shift. I never went, I, you know, I was, I, one time I went to Cornerstone open across the street, this way back, and I had on a t-shirt, some Tams, and I went up in there, and I, I was talking, I was wanting to be in, I just wanted to be in there, you know? Then somebody said, hey, pastor, all the, all the block dudes looked at me like this, like, 
that ain't no pastor, you know what I'm saying? But I, I, wanted, I wanted to kind of throw off their disposition because I didn't want them to put their guard up because I wanted to engage them without the label being on me and they put up their guard because I wanted to start with not uh, uh, my doctrine, I wanted to start with a disp- disposition of pure heart sincerity and, con- and good conscience and start there and move there. But most of y'all know <laughs> that, 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 that you believe the pastors aren't sincere, they, they have a secret life, can I trust them? And are they led by truth and God? <laughs> and because of that l- level of development that's been branded by leadership, Paul is trying to switch that <laughs> in the way he's developing the church here in this passage. Then he says, some have turned aside the fruitless discussion. This is funny to me. When he begins talking about fruitless discussion, you ever met somebody that all they do is talk about uh, conspiracy theories with no conclusion? No conclusion. You know, man, did you know, did you know that the American government had a bunker in Iraq that's been there, man, and they secretly going to the moon and getting pieces of the moon? You'd be like, dog, where are you getting this joint? Now, now, now that we know that, what do we do about that? Like, what do I do with the government secretly going to the moon? I don't know what I'm, how do I even handle that, you know? I mean, I don't even know what I'm going to do with that. But, but that. but this is the type of stuff that he's talking about. People having fruitless discussion, arguing about the scripture, but don't want to live it. See, most people, listen, most people that like to argue about the Bible all the time, all you got to do is look at their feed, look at what they talk about. If they arguing all the time, usually arguing is a deflector for character brokenness. Because, because, because if you had all that time to argue, you need to have some time to live it. And so he said, they turn, the line, turn aside the fruitless discussion. Look what he says in verse 7. <clears throat> we got some ground to cover. He says, they want to be teachers of the law. Now, we're going to break this down in a minute, and, and we're going to go into this. But let me talk about uh, wanting to be a teacher. <clears throat> you know, one of the things about wanting to be a teacher, is nothing wrong with that. You know what I'm saying? But in our society, in our society, everybody a teacher. Everybody a teacher. Everybody Facebook, Twitter, they just, everybody a teacher. You know, everybody want to correct everybody. And that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with the desire to be a teacher. But just know that being a teacher, the difference between an appointed teacher and an unappointed teacher is an appointed teacher has to give an account for your soul. (laughs) Number two, the Bible says in James 3.1, he says, let not many of you become teachers. For teachers incur the stricter judgment. In other words, because teachers have the responsibility to mine out and work through information to make sure that they're giving you sound doctrine so that you're living soundly because what comes out of the mouth of the teacher, although you're supposed to study to show yourself approved, people who are, have the gift to teach go a bit deeper than you and so you expect their depth and trust that level of depth of something to give you a view of how to view the scriptures. <laughs> when that happens, guess what happens? If a person isn't properly taught, then they improperly apply, which leads them into destructive areas in their life. That's why being a teacher is, is, that's why I don't have no hair. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Stressing about making sure that this is right and that's right, right? Um, (laughs) But he says they want to be teachers of the law. Now you have to be prepared. I'm I'm set to prepare you (laughs) for stuff that hasn't hit wave hard yet. 
One of the things about being a pastor, you have to leave, feed, care, no protect. <laughs> Protecting sometimes is giving you a word out of season that's for another season. <laughs> You're not, if you, you can't become a healthy disciple if you only get words in season. <clears throat> you have to get words that transcend you and your season that you're in so that you can be prepared for where God is sending you and what he wants you to do. And so with doing that, and I'm talking about um, them wanting to be teachers of the law, <clears throat> uh, 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 he, he's beginning to work them. Through. He said they don't, they don't know what they're saying or insisting on. He said they don't even know what they're talking about. And so, 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 so this is important because he's basically saying they aren't trained and they just run in their mouth. One of the things we have to be careful in the church, that's why we haven't, that's why we don't do leadership like this. <clears throat> in this particular thing, somebody gets a call to preach. Once they get a call to preach, they do their initial sermon. Okay, what's the problem with that? I'll tell you in a second. Then from there, if they sit on the roster long enough and they faithfully say amen at the right time, then they get ordained. Now you're from minister to minister so-and-so to reverend. Now, the challenge though is this, is you have a title that gives you a disposition for being a certain level of a communicator, but a knower of something in particular. And so what happens is, is, is the question is, if a person is licensed to minister or a quote unquote reverend, which isn't in the Bible, um, what ends up happening is, can you go to the block and somebody get in your grill doctrinally and you can stand your ground? It's, it's, and so, and so that, that it's, in, it's, important, it's important for us to understand that that's why we have to, that's why we have, to have an interesting process. So look, look what he says. Look what he says here. He, he says that they don't, they, they, they don't know what they're talking about. And then he begins to say this. He says, but we know that the law is good. Somebody say the law is good. Now I want you to be, we're going to work through this. So I want you to, you, you to stay with me, okay? Because don't press snooze right now. Uh, we, we, we're going to walk heavy. Somebody say walk heavy. So when we talk about the law being good, I'm going to give you the purposes of the law. But before I give you the purposes of the law, I'm going to give you the, 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 the things that the law isn't for. Hold on for a second. And then it says, provided one uses it legitimately. So as a Christian, you are called to still use the law. Why? Because 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 says all scripture is profitable for doctrine. So that means you should be able to go to Genesis to Malachi to learn how to extract glorious principles for the Christian life. Why do I say that? Because Jesus said that you search the scriptures for in them you think you find eternal life, but they all speak of me. He said on the road to Emmaus when he was walking on the road and they were walking together and Jesus said, he, they, they, he, they said, don't you know what happened? And then he's going back and forth with and he said, and then it says, and beginning with Moses. He showed them all the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. And then he disappeared and then they said, did not hearts burn? And it was just the Old Testament that Jesus Christ used to give them a burning in their soul about the truth of God's word. And so believers, listen, you can, that's, that means you, you got to grow to the point where you can read Leviticus. See, some of us read Leviticus like this. <laughs> Guess what? Jesus is in Leviticus. Jesus is in Nahum. Somebody said, what, what's that? <laughs> Obadiah, where he at? You know, oh my what? Right? <laughs> but, but, but he's there. But we have to understand it for what its context was for. And so the law, there are three levels of the law. There's civic law. Somebody say civic law. Civic law. 
there, there, there's not only civic law, but there's ceremonial law. Somebody say ceremonial law. Ceremonial. And then say moral law. So those three laws, those three setups of the law are three ways in which the law of Moses is broken down. Now, the, the, the civic law was how Israel was governed, right? That, that's their government, their ju- judicial system, the, the, the kings, their, all of that stuff. Then, then you go to the ceremonial law. The ceremonial law are like Yom Kippur and, and all of those different things, the, 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 the holy and feast days and sacrifices. But, was, but, but the moral law... Are those transcendent principles that are under the law, but transcend the law. In other words, you can't say I'm not under the law no more, so I don't have to keep the Ten Commandments. Like I can lie now and just be good because Jesus died for me, right? Because it's in the Ten Commandments. No, it transcends it. Are y'all tracking with me today? And so, and so, and so, so, but Jesus fulfills all of these. He fulfills all of these. Now, you have to understand what fulfillment means. We're going to talk about that in the coming weeks, but I want to break this down right here real quick. So, um, the, in Jesus, Jesus um, he, 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 oh God, he, he takes care of the civic law because he's our king. He takes care of the ceremonial law because he's our sacrifice. <laughs> Y'all ain't hear that. I was at the Pentecostal church. One of the mothers would have ran. Verse three. Number three, number three, the moral law was him living the right life and fulfilling the law for us. So Jesus fulfills all three. I remember, I'll never forget, we had a, a that's when we used to have a, a hipsters at the church, you know. I don't, I don't, y'all may not even call it yourself that no more. If I don't, I'm not trying to start, no, I love you, all right? But, but that's what they called themselves. And one dude, this is before skinny jeans was really popping. You know, it was a, that's, that's how you knew hipsters, because skinny jeans wasn't popping with everybody else, right? And they were wearing them. You know, he had like a single speed bike with the handlebars like this and, you know, he would bring it and put it on the first floor and he would come to church. And so he was a Jewish dude. He had them little spiral jones, you know, I don't know what you call them, but I'm not trying to be funny, right? So he came in, he was coming to church. I was like, this is interesting, oh buddy. You know, so we going through the book of John and my man come up to me after one of the services because he'd been coming for a while. He said, I don't know if you know this, but I, I always leave before communion. I said, okay. He said, I'm Jewish. I said, you don't say, right? <laughs> and he says, and he says, I leave before communion. He says, but today I decided to stay. He said, because usually for me as a Jew, eating Jesus's body and blood is heresy. He says, but I looked at today as you all were going through John and talking about Jesus being the bread of life. And I looked at the bread and I looked at the cup. And I thought about all of the feast days. And I saw, I looked at the bread and the wine and I saw Passover. I looked at the bread and wine and I saw Yom Kippur. I looked at the, I looked at the bread and wine and saw Sakat. I saw every, Jesus fully fulfilled I, 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 everything. You were saying in the sermon, he fulfilled everything. I see everything was pointing me ultimately to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he came to Jesus Christ for salvation. Jesus fulfills the law. Yes. But, 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 look at, but when he says, unless you, unless you use it legitimately, what are illegitimate uses? Number one, for righteousness. The law was never meant to make you righteous. Never, never, never. That joint with the show, we're going to see in a second. Number two, to get you to God was never meant to get you to God. Next, as a means of being good in good standing with God. To measure your value. Ethnic separation. 
ethnic superiority. And number seven, to carry on ungodly systems like slavery. But what is the proper use of the law? Here we go. Y'all ready? Proper use. Number one, moral structure. We'll explain that in a minute. Moral structure, the legitimate uses of the law. Moral structure. You see that in 1 Timothy 1.9. Reveal our sinfulness. In Romans 9, they say all of uh, you know, the Bible says all the sinners fall short of the glory of God, but it sums up before that. It's not some uh, everybody's mouth is an open grave. There's none that does good. It just name, name all of this stuff. And, so, and then it says, by works of the law shall no flesh be justified. <laughs> so so it re- in verse 20, so it reveals our sinfulness. The, 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 the law was supposed to show you that something was wrong with you, yes. but it wasn't there to fix what was wrong with you. Yes. It could only point to what was wrong with you. Now, the number four, Point, to, point us to Jesus. You know, in Romans chapter 7, Paul is lamenting his sinfulness. He's like, when I want to do good, the bad come present. And he keep going through, and when, when I want to do good, the will to do it is there, but I can't do what I want to do, and he's not going to death. Then he just throws his hands up. Thank be to God for Jesus Christ, who <laughs> delivers us. So in other words, it's to point us to Jesus. Next, to display the holiness of God. Um, Exodus 19, 6 talks about them being a kingdom of priests, Israel being a kingdom of priests. Also, in verse, in, in, in next one, 6, is to show the distinctiveness of Israel as a people. He called them again to be holy as I am holy and to be a distinct people. This is, my, this is one of my favorite ones that the, 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 the Israel under the law was for. It's to draw the Gentiles to Yahweh. Isaiah 49, 6. This one is so dope. Isaiah 49, verse 6, it says, It is not enough for you to be my servant, raising up the tribes of Jacob and restoring the protected ones of Israel. I will also make you a light to the nations to be my salvation to the ends of the earth. The purpose of them submitting and living out the law was for them to draw other people to the living God through the distinctiveness of their life before other people. Right? But they failed at that, right? And so look at verse 9. Look at verse 9. Y'all still trekking with me, right? He says, we know that the law is meant for righteous, for a righteous man, but for the lawless and rebellious, not, not for the righteous man, but for the lawless and rebellious, for the ungodly and sinful, for the unholy and irreverent, for those who kill their fathers and mothers, murderers, right? And so he's saying basically a righteous person doesn't need the law. An unrighteous person needs the law. So we all need the law. Amen. Now, now, when you trust Jesus Christ as Savior, you become righteous. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And now there's, there's there's a barometer and a guide with how we can live out God's truth because God is inside of you. Now, it's kind of like this, righteous person, unrighteous person. Kind of the kid, you got one kid in the house where you don't have to, you, you, they, you say, they say they're going out, you know they're just going to come home at a decent hour. You just know they are. That's just how they roll. They're going to come back early and, hey, did you have a good time? Amen. Bye. You got the other child though. That joker, you got to get him a, 
You got to come in at this time. You can't come in 10.01, 10.03. You got to be in the house, but I'm not talking about kissing on the porch and all of that. It, I, it counts when you in this crib. Why? Because certain kids, you have to give law so that they can have boundaries to know what they're supposed to do and not do. The same way with the law of Moses. The law of Moses was given because we're sinful. And therefore, God had to give a guide for, through, through, the, through the civic law to show how his judgment and justice is. He had to do the ceremonial law to see what our sin costs, and he had to do the moral law so that we can have boundaries to be, not be fools. And so, and so, and so he, said, he said the law is for the rebellious. Now, let's look at some of this rebellion. Let's look at a couple of these Jones. Lawless is a person who breaks legal restrictions. You just ain't got no law. Just, you just wild. Rebellious means insubordinate. Don't submit to nothing. Help us, God. We're going to get to the law of Christ and get some hope in a second. One says disposed to, in, to, to or engage in, in, a lack of, in, in defiance. Ungodly, they don't fear God. They lack reverence for God, acting without a sense of moral conviction. Then he just says sinful, committed to a lifestyle of rejecting the Lord and what he says. Unholy, function in an unconsecrated way in every area of life. Irreverent, no respect for God or spiritual things. I remember I was, talking, I was trying to invite this, some, uh, some folk to church. They was like, man, I'll burn that church up. You know, I, I, they were talking about, they, they'll set it on. No, the church will just set on fire. They're not going to set it on fire. They was thinking they so sinful that the church will just set on fire itself. I was like, dang. I said, that's deep, <laughs> right? Kill their father and mothers. That points to being abusive. Murderers. Murder doesn't point to self-defense. It points to cold-blooded killing somebody for no, uh, no proper reason. But then it goes into some more things. Now, you're going to notice something. I want you all to stay with me. This is basically practical applications of the Ten Commandments. Yeah. If you look at it, you can put the, each one of these under one of the Ten Commandments. Now, 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 look at what it says. The sexually immoral and homosexuals. Let's stop here. So sexually immoral, the word there is porneia. Where we get our word pornography from? which means just everything. You know, everything you do outside of marriage and pre-marriage. Slobbage, everything. This, this is just a word, it just, it's a junk drawer for sexually wilding out, okay? So, 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 so that's what that is. Now, and, and so, now it's interesting though here, he gives a distinction between porneia and homosexuality. Now, don't get mad at me. I'm just in the Bible, and I happen to run on this verse, so we're not trying to stomp on nobody and beat you up. We know that we have people that wrestle with same-sex attraction, okay? And, 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 we, would, and we would not... This, this, this word is interesting. The word here for homosexuals is not people who struggle with same-sex attraction. The word here for homosexual is entering into the act of sexual engagement with the same sex. And so... Having same-sex attraction is no different than same-sex attraction outside of marriage as they struggle. So, 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 so let's just, let's not demonize that, right? And so, so, so let's not, let's not say, but act like the, the homosexual. Now, I know someone may struggle with someone saying they struggle with homosexuality because we live in a culture where people are trying to normalize it, okay? And, and we, we won't do that. We will speak into that because the Bible speaks into it. That means we don't believe in kids growing up and choosing their gender. Yeah. 
like, like, or forcing your child to try the other side of the gender to see where they fit. Like, anim- like let, me, let, let me just help me. Like, n- nothing in everything that God created submits to its order. So, so, so be, be, because the, the, their order helps move their species forward, right? Uh, we're, the, we're, like, we're the only ones, and, and listen, listen, and I'm not beating anybody up, but I, have, I'm, I never talk about this. So I'm gonna take this time, since this verse is here, to talk about this. Um, um, if, you, if you struggle with same-sex attraction, we love you. You're no different than me that struggle with some things. Okay? However, my struggle should not be legislated. And I try to, listen, listen, I can, I can say I identify as white as much as I want to. I can change my name to Blake Hilderstein and, you know, I can... When I come in the room, they're going to say, he blacker than a mug. That's what they're going to say. Right? And why, why am I saying that? It's because, listen, if I walked around saying I identify as a white man, y- y'all would classify me as something. But we have people that wrestle with, and, I don't, and I be, I'm not beating it up, well, we have to make sure that, I, I, like, I'm not gonna enter into that delusion. I'm just not. But I'm gonna love you in light of it. So, 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 that, so that's all I'm gonna say about that for now. All right, slave traders, let's stop at another one. Now here, it's funny. <laughs> it's funny that slave traders is put under one of the things that law is made for. Made for people who hold slaves. Now, the word here means to kidnap. Because there was willing slavery in the New Testament, and then there was unwilling slavery. Like when somebody says that slavery, somebody, the Bible teaches slavery, I would say, which slavery system are we talking about? Are you talking about Israelite slavery? Are you talking about Assyrian slavery? Are you talking about Babylonian slavery? Are you talking about Persian slavery? Are you talking about Greek slavery? Are you talking about Roman slavery? Which slavery are you talking about? Because those are multiplicity of different... Now, now, the question is, which slavery was the Bible applying the slavery principles in the New Testament and the Old Testament to in its mind when it was being written? That's a whole nother conversation. But America needs to repent of this. For stealing people from the interior of Africa. You broke the law. And you need to repent and pay reparations to us. You pay reparations to Japan. You pay reparations to our slave owners. You pay reparations to everybody but the people that you intentionally destroyed for 400 years, and our country needs to repent. That's all I'm going to say about that. Now let's move to the next one. Liars, perjurers. Then listen to what he says. I like this. I'm almost done. He said whatever is contrary to sound doctrine. He basically is saying, like I can say a whole bunch of more things on this list, but just anything that just don't sound right biblically. Right now, what is sound doctrine? The word for sound here is the word we get our word hygiene from. It means to it means to be healthy. So you need biblical information. Listen, 
We, you need biblical information that actually helps you to get a clean bill of health from the eternal doctor. So that's why sound doctrine in your life is so important. Sound doctrine is in your life so that you can be healthy because Christ wants to make you healthy. Listen, because false doctrine is like rat food. Rat food is 99% food, 1% poison. That 1% is enough to kill you. Oh, we had a mouse problem, I can admit that, amen. We had a, no, y'all, some of y'all do too. Um, um, so we had a mouse problem. When the guy came to our house, when the sermonator came, he said, see this, see this pellet? I said, yeah. He said, when this mouse, he's, he's gonna smell it, he's gonna think it's food. He's gonna eat it, and when he eats it, it's gonna, it's gonna tear him apart from the inside out. That's what false doctrine does to you. It tastes like good food. But from the inside out, it's eating away at the core of who you are. So, so he says, that which conforms to the gospel. What conforms to the gospel? This is beautiful. I'm done. The law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 21. It says, to those without the law, like one without the law, though I am not without God's law, because we're not lawless people, but under Christ's under the law of Christ to win those without the law. Look at, for, uh, look at uh, Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. It said, carry one another's ver- burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? It's to love God and love neighbor. We take Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 through 6, and we take Leviticus, I believe it's 19, verse 18. And that's where we get, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, I, I like the way he says it in Galatians. Uh, 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 he said, if you walk by the Spirit, you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. And so, and so when we talk about the law of Christ, how does it relate to the gospel? The, the law of Christ actually helps us to fulfill the law. Because Christ already fulfilled the law for us, we walk in his fulfillment by depending on him, knowing that we don't get righteous because of what we do, but because of what he's done for us. And therefore, we, write, we walk in righteousness because we're accepted. We don't walk in righteousness to get accepted. Let me say that again. You do not walk in righteousness to get accepted. You walk in righteousness because you're already accepted. And you don't sin that grace may abound. Uh, Romans chapter 2 verse 1, may it never be. No, grace should motivate you to live for God. So we live under the law of love and liberty. That was love and liberty. For freedom, Christ has set you free. Now that you're in Christ, you're free to live for him without guilt and without eternal punishment but with the blood over you and the opportunity to spill out your life to his glory should be a pleasure to every believer I'm done Lord God Almighty maker of all things we thank you and bless you for your grace and your mercy and kindness that you've poured out on us in truth. God, maybe there's someone here today that... Hello, this is Dr. Eric Mason, founder of Pastor of Epiphany Fellowship. Thank you for tuning in today. Hopefully the word of God was a blessing to you. Also, if you want to help us build the kingdom from Philly and beyond, 
particularly in inner cities, partner with us today. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior, based on his death, burial, and resurrection, place your confidence in him and go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Tune in next time so we can see you go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. God bless you. Take care. We love you. We love you.